I'll show now, you what I mean, and then I will launch a lightning bolt out of my mouth into the fire where it will dissipate harmlessly. And obviously the flash of that just shocks everybody, and you just the entire camp jumps up and looks into the, the, the uh, middle of camp. And I will uh, completely point at Cotter. Okay, so the tabaxi, nothing, uh, nothing rings a bell there. We'll tabaxi just... just have no clue what's going on yeah. today. No on. So uh, once again, uh, corrupting the youth of the Dragonborn with your uh, tales of adventure. Well, I wouldn't say corrupting. <laughs> I would just say bringing an infernal perspective. Yes. Chapter 184, Talking with skulls okay so in the last episode you guys had been successful in facing the challenge of the red dragons in the mountains and uh so drew what actually became of that you Craval had to go and face his challenger a couple of episodes ago but then in the last episode a bunch of uh uh, a momentous uh, occasions happened. You actually had a conversation there with the Red Dragon Challenger. What all? What all went down there? Uh, learned that their clan is suffering as much as mine is now in terms of the age gap between experienced fighters and those just coming into being fighters, which is significant because it means that they have lost a lot of people to what appears to be a rebellion uh, to the new way of doing things for the Dragonborn. Um, so Cabal was forced to fight a dragonborn that was, while large, still a little more than a uh, young teenager. So Cabal did not kill him and actually hailed him when he delivered a very vicious blow that knocked him out. And then later would, uh, that would uh, inspire the young red dragonborn, Shamash, to come talk to him and want to inquire as to what it really does mean to be a cleric to Nawadu. Yes, yeah, so you were able to impress that youth and um, because of your pious example, we're able to coax him over into the light side of the force. Well, at least hopefully set on his way to becoming a uh, light cleric. You never know. Passions run deep with dead dragonborns. Yeah, but as you, as you were saying, the uh, conservative elements of the dragonborns, the uh, old traditional ones, uh, found the... Um, changes being wrought in the mountains by the uh, situation that they're in and especially the changes that uh, Kraval had brought with them. Uh, lowlanders, uh, their religion, their food um, were not flexible enough and had, as you said, rebelled against it and a whole bunch of them had disappeared. But it seems that Kraval, with his excellent example, has perhaps coaxed those that are willing to listen to move along with the uh, dragonborn into this new era, this new age that they're now finding themselves stuck in. So really good. And uh, a few other things happened. Um, you got to uh, meet your protege there, uh, Noan. So uh, once again, uh, corrupting the youth of the dragonborn with your uh, tales of adventure. Well, I wouldn't say corrupting. I would just say bringing an infernal perspective. Yes. Anyway, so, um, yeah, so you uh, continue to um, round out the worldview of the youngsters in, in the camp. And uh, so lots of fun there. So as we ended uh, the last session, you guys had joined the caravan heading down the hill with the uh, ore carts. Um, it's uh, obviously beginning to get mighty cold in the mountains, uh, which is not a huge impediment to the dwarves, especially you know, if they're underground. But uh, then you uh, had to deal with the trekking down the hill and you hopped a ride on one of the ore wagons that was heading down with the latest batch of ore. 
and uh, that's where we stopped. Uh, but before we get going here, I wanted to share something with everybody and, and uh, get everyone's feedback. So um, on Twitter, uh, just a little while ago, I uh, entered uh, uh, the contest for a giveaway being done by the World's Unending uh, group and actually won it. So I just wanted to float these things by you and get everyone's opinions. But the first thing, actually just go ahead and put these down in front of the camera, Bryce. First thing was just a good set of dice. Happy to do that. Um, but the really impressive thing was they sent along this hip flask. And what do you think of that? I love the eyeball on it. It's awesome. That's yeah. super cool. So you can see it's a real solid hip flask, and then it's got the uh, leather outside that's uh, made of several different colors of leather, light and dark, um, with really good rivets. And then, like we said, there's a fake eyeball that seems to stare out of it in the front. Congrats. That's really awesome. Yeah. So really good stuff they have for Worlds Unending. So we encourage everyone to go by and take a look. And I will use these new dice to try to kill all of you. Okay. So let's get back to... The happenings here so um, as we left the group you guys had all just piled onto a cart and started heading down the hill and um, you guys uh, start taking off and it's into the evening but um, and it seems kind of odd that you would want to take off into the evening I mean you would think that they would want to stick around until morning but the dwarves seem to be in a bit of a rush to get out the door and take off even though they're really only going to be able to go for a couple of hours down the path before they're either going to have to, uh, you know, light lanterns to see possibly where they're going or to, you know, stop for the night. So, and um, Craval, if I remember, you got to ride on the buckboard in the front along with the dwarven driver. But the rest of the party just kind of threw themselves in amongst the ore and tried to find a comfortable spot somewhere between all those rocks. Uh, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah. I know that in the, in, the, in the time that we're riding, I'll try to, to just speak with the driver about, you know, recent news and how things are going with the mine and whatnot. And he said, and he replies to you and says, well, the mine's going real well. Um, it's a uh, good hot rock. Obviously that's difficult to dig in, but, uh, it's, uh, it's a fairly, uh, ridge war vein. We're, we're pretty happy about it. Um, and, uh, the digging's pretty good. Uh, but uh, obviously the uh, situation here is a little bit crazy. Um, you heard about the uh, the attack on the mine just uh, less than a month ago. Out of character, did we? Well, you guys actually participated in the, uh, in the uh, defense with your other Dragonborn characters. And then um, the, uh, one of the messages you got from your sister um, there, uh, me mentioned that there was an attack on the mine. Also, the Carter's the dwarf. Mm -hmm. I thought. Oh, sorry. Actually, and and you're you're right, Bryce. The uh, the driver itself is one of the humans from your um your family's company. But yeah, there's the other person riding up front is a dwarf as one of the miners. So good good detail there. Yeah. Yeah, I I did hear that we get that. I didn't hear the exact details, but I did hear the mine was initially attacked when mining first began. Ah, oh, yes. Um. A whole group of uh, of dragonborn uh, surrounded the uh, entrance to the mine, attacked from all sides. And tell you the truth, I think we all be dead right about now, except uh, a bunch of your your uh, dragonborn uh, friends there, uh, younguns, uh, and probably no more than twenty years old, uh, jumped in and and uh, beat back the attack. Uh, we, we lost several of the dwarfs uh, to the initial rush, but after that, uh, they were able to kill all the. Uh, all the attackers and and uh, chase off the other ones that they didn't kill. I uh, was uh, was a pretty uh, pretty near affair though. Yeah, fortunately, whenever there's change, there's always resistance to that change. Has anything else been occurring since we've been gone? I I hear that the town below at the foot of the mountain is having a bit of an issue right now with wanting to go to war over resources. And the uh, the. Uh... Uh, half elf in in the uh, driving the cart piped up at that point and it says, "Well, um, we'll just have to see what happens with that." But um, yes, uh, the rumors of war have been abounding for some time, and uh, one of the reasons we're leaving uh, now um, in at uh, tip top speed as we can is uh, the uh, when we're headed up the hill, uh, there was rumors of patrols coming from Excalibarium Calice, 
and uh, they uh, were trying to get as much room between us and them as possible uh, before anything bad happens. Yeah, desperation drives people to bit to unwise acts. Is that what we were seeing when we were going up the mountain? Um, you did see a patrol, a whole patrol of horsemen heading off into the Campo Magno when you guys were headed up the hill, and it was about 20 of them. So, um, yeah, just kind of based on that, it may already be too late. So we'll just have to see. Anyhow, um, you guys start uh, hopping on down the hill, and um, you... Uh, you know, once again, it's, it's a pretty un, uncomfortable ride for the people in the back. And even even up front, Craval, I mean, there's three on, on the seat up front, which is, I mean, thankfully, one's a dwarf. But it's still kind of tight confines. Um, did you guys want to try to kind of keep going? I feel like I'm just trying to picture this. Like, probably the tabaxi are, like, perched on it somewhere. Like, not mm-hmm. sitting nicely in the seats. No, no, probably no. Like- Sitting over on the the railing or something, Every, drooped over like this, you yeah. know. <laughs> Everybody but Craval is back in the back with the rocks, and so you it's you're just trying to find a hollow in the rocks that's uh, comfortable enough that you can sit there without it jabbing you with a sharp edge of stone or something. Probably sitting on your blankets instead of being wrapped up in them. But anyways, did you want to try to uh, keep on going, or um, did you want to try to stop for the night? Uh, what 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 is uh, because they, they right now at this point in time they seem to be just carrying on into the night. I think we should defer uh, to imagine the... we just let the experienced drivers make the call. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Well, they uh, they go for a couple of hours, and you guys are basically on a two you know rut track, um, kind of like you know you'd see as a, a dirt road in in our time. With just the the tire marks. What about the horse? And um, are there like two horses? There are uh, two oxen on ah, the front oxen. of each of these, because it's a heavy load. And um, then you are um, going along, and you actually you come across a uh, fairly sizable stream, uh, not too long into it. And uh, once again, the uh, stonework of the dwarves is kind of amazing. Just in a short amount of time, they built a uh, stone bridge over this that's uh, robust enough to carry ore carts and uh you guys go take you know clunking off there and, and an hour goes by and a couple of hours go by and they they don't seem to be uh uh showing any signs of slowing down so like i said we're beginning to uh to go on into the evening here it's, it's fully dark at this point in time um do you guys want to ask questions or are you just going to roll with it yeah i'll, I'll ask because it's been unsafe for us in the past of travel and i uh, um seen some weird stuff we fought so many battles yet another barony being crazy you know it must be tuesday i don't have any other questions okay so you're just going to sit back and relax there and then Kraval, what is, were you going to do i was just going to ask is the lady deirdre still in charge of escobar and Calice? and uh the uh, driver says um yes uh, the the baroness is still in charge um, and it seems that she's the one that's been, uh, whipping the, the barony up into a frenzy. I mean, do we need to, to swap out leadership in this barony again? I mean, why not? I mean, well, I think before we try to upset the, uh, the rule again, we need to find out everything that's going on, including the fact that it could be possible that she's being afflicted by another demonic presence or by Lowell. I mean, there we turn out with the spore druids or the, uh, sorry, I just blanked. Oh, the spore druids or Lowell himself, the mind traveler, it all seems to tie together. And we still don't know what's go- whether or not it ties into potentially what the comet's doing about coming closer to our planet. I mean, we just don't know. True, although the uh, comet does seem to be a herald of uh, whatever woe is coming. As it's getting uh, larger in the sky, as as your uh, peril seems to be increasing. Oh, well, too. I mean, um, I do actually. Now, I I could be wrong, so let me ask the group: Have we met Deirdre at all? You have not. Um, if you remember the one time that uh, you guys were back at Excalibarium Calice after the uh, Baron that you had uh, um, installed had been opo- deposed. 
Uh, you guys just uh, made the uh, the nope train straight through. Got it. I think we may have. Well, let's. We need to get back to Porta Magnum. We'll talk to uh, Cotter's wife, and we will see what's going on therein. And then we'll see about making overtures to speaking with the leadership of Escobar and Coley's. It would be great if we could resolve this without having to take someone's head, but there's always room in the bag for one more. Yeah, you're getting quite the collection there. Just three. That's not quite a collection. Okay. And um, the uh, caravan goes off into the uh, evening for several hours. Um, it actually crosses a major river. And once again, um, you're kind of amazed at the speed at which the dwarves were able to throw up a stone bridge across a, a major river. Uh, but you've got a, a beautiful brand new stone bridge that uh, bridges it for this road. And everybody actually roll for me a survival check. Nat one. So Cotter's drowsing, apparently. 19. Okay. I'm going to say that's pretty in character. For 13. Me. 16. 7. Okay, and uh, uh, once again, uh, you're prob probably catnapping there with uh, with Misty, but uh, for the rest of you, um, uh, Red probably because of your examinations, and and then uh, Creval because you're so close to a home there, um, and then uh, with Noan probably just uh, keenly aware of of the surroundings after all the years in the wilderness, uh, you guys believe that you're headed basically due north, and. Um, the only one that would really kind of know uh, where they're going too much probably is you, Creval, because you were in the the, uh, the caravan trade before you became an adventurer. And then Cotter would know just because of uh, all of his studies here. But you're probably going to intersect the high road uh, just before it uh, connects with the road to Excobarium Colise uh, there in the Campo Magno. And, um, but after a couple hours, the... Uh, lead of the uh, three carts that you've got going there just kind of pulls the oxen off to the sides and and you know with a very loud whoa and everybody just kind of uh, lines up there and the uh, driver says to you it's like this is where we'll stop for the night um, it's uh, a wide spot we've used before and uh, it's got a, a kind of a little burbling stream for some water and they immediately start to unhitch the oxen and drag them over the water for a good watering and uh, you just see people starting to uh, lay out bedrolls. Uh, you notice that no one is starting a fire though. So what are you going to do? I'll just say it's kind of chilly. Why aren't we starting a fire? And uh, the, the dwarf that you're riding with is, well, it's uh, no sense in advertising, you know, um, they've had the problems with the dragonborn behind us and the problems with the, uh, the, uh, humans in front of us uh normally yeah on a, a regular night especially a cold night like this we certainly have a nice roaring fire so we all sit around it and get warm but uh, uh it just doesn't make no sense at this point in time to do that well i'll like curl up into a ball <laughs> sounds good and seems I mean, like how cold is cold gonna get i mean i'm pretty confident that we'd be a deal with anyone who comes sniffing around yeah, um, it basically got a beholder yeah. with a couple of guards. Yeah, and basically it's uh, it's going to get frosty. There will probably be frost in the morning, so it's it's going to get down close to freezing overnight here in the mountains. Uh, we are well into fall at this point in time. So I say we can handle whichever guards come our way. We need a fire. And uh, the uh, you know dwarf and the carter kind of look at each other and. And uh, and the, the human says, well, um, Sir Cotter, what do you think? Uh, you know the abilities of your party better than us. So we probably could take the guards, but do we want a fight? I mean, it seems like we, we don't really know the situation that much anyway. Is it likely there will be a fight if we're seen? I'll address the Cotter. I said, well, we've not seen any... Um, of the uh, Excolbarium Colise patrols this high in the mountains. They, they really seem to be concentrated down in the Campo Magno. Um, and um, 
uh, one of the reasons we did go for several hours in the dark was just to put enough distance between us and the Dragonborn camp. So I, I would hope that we were followed by the Dragonborn, but uh, um, yeah, that's the uh, caution uh, being what it is. Kravala uh, here has has quieted the Dragonborn camp just just hours ago. So I wouldn't worry about them. I mean, we also discovered Not that... so sure is my camp, much as the renegades might be causing issues still. If you're worried about the Dragonborn camp itself, I can assure you they won't have any problems with you here, especially with me being here. Um... I would say a small fire would be okay, especially just to ward off the chill for the night. And uh, so the, the two of them look at it and they kind of go and, and uh, uh, wander over to the other carters and, and you can see them discussing it with them. Um, and there's just a lot of, you know, shrugging of shoulders and, you know, you can just kind of read the body language saying, okay. And um, uh, they, they start kind of looking about for uh, firewood. Uh, do you guys want to gather up some firewood for a fire? Yeah, help him out. Sure. Yeah. Um, I'd actually like to take uh, 20 minutes while they're doing that to uh, do the ritual for bee sense and for uh, speak with things, speak with animals. Yeah, speak with animals. Actually, and I was just going to ask that you do that because I would like Thrax the, to kind of do a little bit of stealthy scouting around and come notify us if something's sneaking around. Let's put the little critter to work. Okay, so I will whistle down for the owl and then wait for no one to summon Thrax. And I will give both the same, and I'll give first to the owl and then to Thrax, expect what we need them to do in terms of uh, patrolling. Okay. And uh, you launch the owl into the air and uh, it starts to, to do a, a ever-widening spirals around looking for anything. And uh, you're able to look through its eyes, right? Yeah, for up to an hour until I end it. Okay. And at this point in time, you're not seeing anything out of the ordinary. You guys are still heavily in the pine forest, so it's um, the uh, where the pine groves are, and, and you guys are camping in one of those. It's pretty heavily obscured. But, uh, yeah, you don't see anybody creeping through the woods at you. You don't see any patrols coming up the hill. Um, his keen owl eyes can see way off in the distance to the north in what must be the Campo Bagno. He can see several fires burning. Um, and they, they must be substantial fires because, uh, they, uh, you know, the, a uh, little campfire would just be a dot, but these are big enough to maybe be, maybe even buildings on fire or something like that. But you can see several buildings or whatever they are, giant wood piles or something. Something's on fire out there in the Campo Magno to your north. Uh, but that's about the only thing he does see. That's like miles and miles and miles away, though, right? That's not like within, like, say, 30 minutes of walking. Right, yeah. You probably won't even get out there um, until, uh, you know, the middle of the day tomorrow to where these things are. Okay, I'll, I'll make sure I mention it as, because, I mean, it's I, I think it's similar to the wizard spell. Like, so my eyes would be, like, basically white in terms of not being able to see because I'm seeing through his eyes, but I'll just speak out loud to no one, whoever's listening, about the fire, the big fires out toward that area and around. Okay, and then uh, Matt, for uh, Thrax moving about, um, you know, he kind of, you know, you see him just kind of, you know, snarfing with uh, with Creval there, and uh, the directions do seem to get through and he kind of looks at you kind of looks at uh, Creval, kind of looks at you kind of looks at Creval, and then just starts kind of trots off into the underbrush so give me a um you know wisdom check for him and give me a uh, dexterity check for uh, so for his, his perception and his stealth hold on a sec yep you have to go fish that uh, character sheet out again okay had to find him <laughs> So wisdom is a 12. Okay, 12 for his perception. Good. Dex is a four. Okay. Clumsy. Well, you know, he's not exactly in his uh, home turf there. Um, so, yeah, so he is kind of going around, and 12 not too bad. Uh, so he's listening, you know, trot, trot forward, listen, trot, trot forward, listen, trot, trot forward. And, but then he gets about, I don't know, 
a good couple hundred yards from camp and you know he's kind of making little uh, little forays in various directions trying to to cover all the areas around camp and he just steps on a dry stick and there's just a crack that sounds as loud as thunder in this night and all of a sudden right in front of him two glowing eyes open in the bushes that's not good no it whatever it is is bigger than he is and you know obviously he's about the size of a turkey so this has got to be the size of you know a large cat or a large wolf or something but something big is right in front of him maybe about 30 feet away i hope uh thrash the uh, wisdom to, to beeline it back to camp. Okay, so he's going to take off back to camp then at that point in time. So give me a strength check to yeah. see how fast he can run and how far. Uh, strength, I rolled a 14 and his base speed is 30. Okay, so he wheels on his, uh, his uh, feet there and just starts beating feet back towards camp and as he turns and starts heading back at a pretty good speed, he can actually hear whatever it was breaking cover behind him and whatever it is is chasing him. So uh, he is uh, run, run, running. He can hear it. It's getting closer to whatever it is. Like I said, it's bigger than he is. Uh, luckily, a Dinonychus, you know, relative to the Velociraptor, is a pretty speedy critter. And he goes run, run, running. And so the rest of you all of a sudden hear a loud growl off to the northeast and something is running through the underbrush at pell-mell speed, uh, not taking uh, any care to be silent. And all of a sudden, Thrax comes bounding through the nearest set of bushes um, at you know basically beeline speed, heading into like a bullet back to uh, Noan. And just a couple of strides behind him, a huge cat appears. It's tawny fur. I mean, clearly this is a mountain lion of the mountains, and it is hot in pursuit of him. What are you going to do? Light the sword on fire. Okay. Um, and so all of a sudden, boom, Cotter's sword comes on fire, and you just see the cat just pull up short. And Thrax makes bound, 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 and just basically lands in your arms there, uh, Noan. I'd like to talk to it. Okay. And well, right now the cat is, yeah, in a moment of indecision, it's uh, it's doing that thing where it's kind of got one shoulder pointing away already. It's like half of a, a crouch to run. Um, it wasn't expecting a real bright flame to appear all of a sudden out of the dark. Um, what are you going to do? Just like, just like not move quickly and be like easy, easy hunter. And it, uh, easy. it's, uh, not, um, you can tell comfortable. Obviously this is a wild animal. And all of a sudden it has ended up in a clearing full of, you know, dwarves and elves and, and men and, uh, and cat people. And uh, it, uh, it's already starting to kind of backpedal away from you. It's, you know, clearly not comfortable. Um, I'd like to reach down with my claws into the bag and let tear a huge chunk of the excess flesh off of the uh, other side of the dry, the dark elf's face that's in there <laughs> and uh, pull it out and throw it to the front of the, the lion. Yeah. Welcome to dungeons and corpse abuse. Um, okay. So you basically uh, hey. reach out and uh, throw, throw a, a piece of meat at it. And um, basically it, it sort of takes this as kind of an attack or something and just boom. Yes. It, it was already beginning to, to, uh, face away from you guys and it just takes off into the underbrush again and uh boom it's gone so it's you can just hear it scrabbling through the the brush and then after a few moments it, everything goes quiet and it's either gone completely to stealth mode and is just prowling along or it's gone to ground and and is hiding somewhere i'll go retrieve the flesh because i want to dispose of that properly not quite like that I'll and i'll do and i'll sue thrax uh letting him know he did a good job yeah, and, and actually, it's pretty funny. As as the uh, cat takes off in the underbrush, Thrax just kind of just screams at him, you know, in, in his raspy voice as if to say, yeah, there, yeah, run, yeah. I'll extinguish the sword. Okay. And um, obviously, Cotter... Thrax want the flesh there, no one? Yes. I'll drop a pile of, I'll drop the pile of flesh down the ground for him. Okay, so you leave him a pound of flesh, and Thrax just, like, trots over to it, and... Uh, just uh you know scoops it up 
and of course he has to do the thing where he you know, lifts his head up in the air so he can just swallow the whole thing down his throat and you see the big lump going slowly down his throat and and into his his gullet and and then he just kind of turns his head cocks his head sideways at you there uh Carval, and, and looks over and does the same thing at, at you know one and just kind of chirps at you like what a good job i did so, um, Carval, who was that he just ate? That was a bit of dark elf face or something? Yeah, I, have to, I still have to clean Varus and come to think of it, the green dragonborn. If you don't mind, I'd like to use him as a bit of a uh, garbage disposal while I do it. Okay, so he just ate a little bit of Varus. All right, that's what I needed to know. Yeah, who'd you think it was? You know, I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember. We killed so many. This is true. That's fair. But only a couple of them have been noteworthy enough to make it into the Creval head of bags. Head of bags. Head of bags. No, that's the... Uh, Bag of heads. That's the mm -hmm. beholder? No. Um, I'd like beholder. to take time with Noah's permission and uh, actually clean the, the head of the, uh, the Dark Elf off. So it's just the skull with the jaw. And the same with the dragonborn as well. And okay. let Fraxius fill and the rest will just get uh, buried in a hole in the ground. So are you going to wait till just like everybody's asleep or are you just going to go and do that right in front of everybody? No, I, I would walk off to be deeper into the darkness. You okay. don't have to camp to still be protected, but it's not, it's not going to do it right in front of the, the poor tabaxi or this uppity uh, or definitely not used to it driver that works for a cotter or anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, probably the most it's horrific just, thing. This is trophy This is a high honor, and this is a very yeah. important thing that Cabal has to do. Yeah. So, so I guess then not so casually, but I was just picturing you starting to carve the cheeks off and stuff in the middle. Of the Little head cheeks. Actually, the first thing you have to do is you got to, you, you know, think we have the claw to do it, but you got to pluck out the eyeballs, which is actually a delicatessen depending on what you're doing. And then you take a little bit of a dagger or your longer claw, and you scoop up to grab the brain and pull it out through the eye socket. And exactly. It's kind of like jello, so it takes a bit. You got to flick it off. And then it normally hot water helps, so we don't have that. So it's a lot of, uh, with the dagger of warning, it's a lot of scraping and cleaning. I'm sure you, you can know, make some hot water. With you with the brains, you've been influenced by the uh, elithid, I think. <laughs> yeah, I'm that's not what eating if... the brain. The brain's going in the hole or on the strax on wants it. I'm sure he does. But yeah, too bad Frax we don't have a, the brain. an illithid with us. They could uh, just clean the brains out for you and be happy about it. That's what I was thinking about. That's the head of bags. Okay. Yeah. So uh, welcome to Dungeons and Corpse Abuse, everybody. Okay. So um, you go clean off the two skulls there. Um, and then I'm assuming you bleach them in the fire afterwards. Um, and uh, Thrax, yeah. by the time he waddles back over to you there, Noan, he can barely walk. His stomach is so distended. And he just basically just kind of does the walk, 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 thump, just kind of collapses next to you. Doesn't even hop up and, and try to sleep on your face the way he normally does. And you could just, I mean, you can actually even see like individual pieces of meat sticking through his, you know, bulging past his feathers. He's so full. Well, you know, he had a good night. He earned it. Yeah, nothing like a good scare to make you have a good appetite, right? Okay, anything anybody else wants to do? Before you bed down for the evening. Oh, yeah. Um, I'd like to call uh, Cotter and Noana over. Okay. And uh, the skulls, which are now clean, each will have a mark to remind me who they are, like Salvavaris. But I'm going to ask a few questions of our dearly departed if you guys want to hang around and listen. And okay. the, uh, the Tabaxi might be interested. Are you going to call them over or not? In, in the sake of trying to keep at least a passive interest so they know I'm not being too weird, um, I'll offer if they want to listen in, because I'm sure they've heard of such a thing before. So if they wish to listen in, they may are more than welcome to. I don't want them to think I'm weird, so I'm going to tell them I'm talking to these skulls. <laughs> I'm going to listen yes. in because interesting. Yes, Red would certainly be interested. How about Misty? Yeah, why not? Sounds good. Okay, so, so you've got the uh, three skulls set out like it's some sort of a Halloween decoration. So I will keep Selma and the green dragonborn's head together, and then slightly separate will be Varus, just to kind of mm -hmm. keep me an idea of who I'm talking to. And, and obviously they're um, considerably different. I mean, the dwarf skull is, is very robust compared to the delicate features of the, uh, 
of the drow. And then, of course, the dragonborn skull is just completely different than all of, all the rest completely. Selma was a dwarf. For some reason, I thought she was like a wood elf. Uh, and, uh, actually, Selma was... Um, you're Actually, I'm sorry. I'm getting that one mixed up with Gildas the Baron. No, yeah. Selma was, was a... Uh, was a uh, human uh, human so that uh, so yeah so that that would still be considerably different than the delicate features of the of the drow. So let's start with her. So I'll, I'll say a quick prayer to allow the spirit to come forth into Selma and activate speak with dead with her. Now are you allowed to use multiple people multiple skulls for that or is it just a single? No, it'll be it'll be one spell per skull. Okay. I'm just starting with Selma. Yeah, if you can teach them right, you can just start your own skull doo-wop group and just have them doo-wopping in the background for you. Uh, I could always just steal the, the talking and have heads. The heads. Yeah. Okay, so what uh, what are you going to ask them? Uh, well, with Selma, I will say um, I've ran into more of your people. One is here with me as well. You're killing the land that even the spores can't survive. What is your, what was the, the, the game plan here? And um, Herskull basically says, the fungus will survive and become predominant. The fungus will triumph over the land. The fungus will not live if there's no way to prevent life or to keep life going in the land. How will the fungus keep living if there's no life to be given to it? And the skull says, the fungus is a survivor. There is always food for it. Even the fungus can feed on the fungus. Was it Lowell's plan to starve the kingdoms? And the skull says, Elowal promised us victory in exchange for our help. Any more, I do not know. How can we push back the fungus? And the skull says, why would you want to push back the fungus? It is the king of the land. It is the great survivor. Does the fog spread the fungus? The fog is a great aid to the fungus. It helps it grow. It makes it strong, cool, wet. It all makes things grow very well. Yeah, that would be it. That was five. Okay. Well, clearly, uh, whatever is up with these spore druids, I mean, I've seen druids that are talk to animals. I've seen druids that are more like w nature wizards, but I've never seen something so dedicated to a plant before. Are they plants? Oh, I'll look at the two tabacs. Have you ever heard of anything like this, where something is, where something drives somebody this badly when it's you know based up another organic thing? In this case, fungus. Actually, both of you guys roll me insight checks. Both the tabaxi. Since you just got asked the question. Nine. Eight. Okay, yeah, this doesn't uh, doesn't really ring a bell with you. Um, and, and maybe just because you're concentrating so much on the, the plant side of things. Uh, maybe coming at it at, at a different angle would be different, but the way the question was asked, no, it doesn't ring a bell with you guys or anything. Okay. Um, I will cast the next Speak With Dead on the Green Dragonborn. Okay. Uh, the first obvious question will be, what was your name? And this dragonborn's name was Torin. So you said that uh, uh, earlier Carval knew her. Did they like, know her enough to be able to call her by name or just was familiar with her? Uh, no, you were just had recognized her. Obviously, being a green dragonborn, you didn't interface with her clan all that much. Uh, but uh, enough that you'd seen her about the camp before. Okay. You've raised arms against a war leader and his war party without cause. And apparently have conspired with other druids of the spores. Why would you do this? 
the spores must be triumphant. Where do the spores come from? They are always a part of nature. Now they are in ascendance, and we would like to see them triumph. You speak of them as if they are a sentient person. Do the spores have a collective mind? They are a part of nature. They are not a person. We have a mind, and we have a mind to promote them. Now is the time of their ascension. Why are you so keen on destroying all the life? We are not trying to kill all life. We are trying to promote the fungus to be primal, to be the primus, to be the number one. This is not a question. I'm just addressing everybody else. I don't get this. I mean, I just don't understand it. There is a whole balance that has to be maintained with life. We all know this. Why are they so keen on throwing it out of whack? I don't understand this at all. Does anybody else have an idea? Well, why doesn't everybody roll insight here and see what uh, you can make heads or tails of? 14. Nine. Seven. That one. Okay, so the tabaxi, nothing uh, nothing rings a bell there. We'll tabaxi just, just have no clue what's going on yeah. today. Yeah, this this <laughs> just, well, I mean, this is just out of your uh, ballywick. I mean, the tabaxi just don't operate this way. Uh, and what was yours again there, uh, Noan? 17. Okay, so um, Cotter and Noan, especially Noan, um, you've sort of, you know, especially before you, uh, actually, even, even once you became a monk, um, and so Cotter, for some of the nobles that have been risen in rank and suddenly had a large amount of power invested in them, and then similarly for you, Noan, in the, even, even in the halls of the monastery where you're really kind of supposed to just be cogs in a wheel, occasionally people would be advanced in, in uh, you know, their, their rank in the monastery and would just, for lack of a better term, become drunk on the power. Um, and just, uh, you know, carry on a little too much. And that's the same vibe you're getting here. It seems like the spore druids, you know, have totally lost the perspective of keeping things in balance, that they, they do seem to be basically having all of a sudden this ability to really advance the cause of fungus, have just totally lost their perspective and are, are for lack of a better term, drunk on the power that they have now. Um, Creval, do you have one more question for this one? I do. Can we say, who has asked you to promote the spores? Whom do you ultimately serve? I don't think that's a... I, I think we need to rethink that question because we already know Lowell's promised them victory. But a so they're working in tangents. I, I think that the Loal may not be the head of this particular serpent. With this, this is just a group that Lowell has bent to his will. With the um, spore druids, this isn't Lowell saying, "Hey, you go spread the fungus." This is people who want the fungus to be around, and Lowell saying, "Hey, I can help with that." So when if you ask that question, the answer will be most likely, "Oh, I wanted to do this." because they just want it for some reason we don't understand. So I'm thinking that if a is just like, hey, I can help you with that, something came first that a just glomming onto. Yes. That is what we need to understand. I Who set the druids on their place that a is just like, hey, I can help. I think we need to wait one week because that's how long I have to do between spells on this particular other skull and ask that of that druid. I don't believe this particular druid is going to know that. I'll ask regardless, but I think I'm going to rephrase it as where did your, the power to do this came from somewhere else. Where was that? And that the, sound right? Is that the question you want to ask? Oh, that, I'm not, no, I'm asking the group okay. that. 
I mean, that sounds like it could just be answered with the spores give the power or something. Because don't druids just get their power from nature? I don't know. Yeah, but I mean... A nature god of some sort, not just trees. I don't think so. There is... I'm, I'm trying to, I can't, I can't just be low. I, I kind of agree with Matt. I think there has to be something else. I think there's something driving this thought. Like we can ask, they, who do they pray to? They get their spells through prayer. No, no clerics do. Druids get it from the land. And they're yeah, but they still meditate, right? It's not a group of trees that all of a sudden gives you some enlightening. I mean, I think what I'll ask them is I'll ask or I'll ask uh, Torin is just say Torin. The druids have always worked in tangent with life and kept the balance. What has what is the driving? What Owen? I see a timeout. Uh, no, the, you said tangent. I think you meant tandem. No tangent. Tangent. No. Tangent is something like that, yeah. opposed, right? Well, the tangent is something that's oh off, no, it's off parallel, from, but like not. Yeah, it's I don't remember from, my off math. From the line of the, the the way it was going. Okay. What caused the Sporger leadership? At, uh, what gate? What is the driving power of this that has caused this Druid leadership for the Spore Circle to suddenly wish to come forward and surpass and unbalance? what it was previously in balance. And the skull just says, the fungus has been held in check by the balance of nature, but now the balance has shifted and the fungus is rising in power. Our archdruid has told us that this is the time for the fungus ascent and we must do whatever we can to make it primal, to make it primus, to make it the number one force in the land. Okay, write that down, guys, because when I can ask another question, that is who I'm going to I need to find out who the Archdruid is. Actually, hold on a second. I'm going to burn another third-level spell slot. I'm going to send Ascending to Tengay. Okay. Um, Tengay, this is Kraval. I have recently learned... The Archdruid of the Spore Druids has been driving them to unbalanced nature. Can you investigate and get back to me? Okay. And let me get the response to you. Okay. Let me make sure that's the right amount of words. Oh, exactly 25. Okay. And you get Tange's voice um, replying in your head. Apparently... The current Archdruid was expelled. However, they did not actually do anything with her, so she must be clearly working with the rebel forces, which is what we've been kind of dancing around for a while now. So maybe we need to go have a little conversation with a specific Baroness. Hmm? That's the rebel forces, right? No, the rebel spore druids. Okay. The Rebel Spore Druids, which probably also have the Rebel Dragonborn, and who knows what else, which we believe is potentially tied into Lowell. Well, certainly Lowell seems to be the root of all these problems. Even even if he's not directly affecting everything, his mischief has you know set in motion these little miniature avalanches that are picking up speed at this point in time. Do uh, question? Do we want me? I can ask another sending and ask another couple questions before I run out of spell slots. Or do I question Varus and see if Lowell stretches into the Dark Elves? And the reason I think he does is because that's where one of his uh, things were. That's a good point, but we didn't really see anything particularly f- overwhelmingly fungi even the myconids seemed friendly, and you would think they would be the first to be kind of distorted. Would Lowell use the same oh. tactics on the surface as he would underground? I mean, would fungus really even spread hostilely underground? I don't know, but without Adrian here to ask, I'm not sure how far we want to push. Mm-hmm. I do not wish to pry into Adrian's well, personal lives without her here, but at the same time... This is a widespread issue. 
we did see an entire cavern of fungus and sentient fungus beings. So I would say, yes, it spreads in the underground. But it doesn't, it's like on the surface here, all that it really needed was the fog and the fungus could just spread as much as it could. But underground there are stone walls and tight passageways that the fungus can't really get through as easily as it could just over land. Something else that at least in the the realm of the drove, they served a higher evil that perhaps Lowell couldn't overcome. That also could be true. So what do we want to do? Should I ask Var some questions or should I ask Tengay to investigate and try to locate these rogue druids and rogue dragons? This whole rebellion. Is there anything? I have two spell slots that I can do this with. This is why I'm asking. Is there anything we could really get from Varus? Like what? I don't know. That's yeah. the first five questions would be general questions. Hmm. I'm. I don't know really. Owen, do you have any ideas? I mean, not really. Um, I was just mainly thinking about like out of out of character knowledge. Just like thinking about that, not really paying attention. Sorry. That's fine. Yeah, you'd have to bring Red and Misty kind of up to speed as to why you have a uh, dark elf uh, head in your bag. What I really, I mean, just honestly, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, so let's well, let's take a quick break. I'm sure you guys are pretty confused here, um, and then spend however many. 15, 20, half an hour, hour necessarily explaining everything we've been encountering up to this point. And then I will pose the same question to them. Okay. And obviously, um, Red, you're going to be taking notes furiously, no doubt. Okay. Do the uh, Tabaxi have any input on the questions? I mean, it definitely is strange seeing that the uh, spore druids wish to have something be greater than the uh, rest of nature, considering they are druids. Um, I don't have any knowledge with me about this specific issue right with me, but I am sure we have plenty of books back in the Tabaxi library that could potentially help us. Is this the first we've heard of the Tabaxi Library? Well, you heard about it when they talked about it in uh, mm. Galchabar's Tower. But, uh, yeah, this is the first I mean, the first time you've ever had a chance to talk to them about a library. This library you're speaking of, is it vast? It is as... Um, we have collected quite a number of tomes from all across this land um we have we tabaxi strive to uh collect every little bit of knowledge we possibly can is it possible to visit this library uh yes in fact it is um right below the uh veil of the elves if you know where that is I've visited there before, yes. And actually, Red, you um, guys don't exactly invite strangers to visit the, the library, so this would be exceptional if you did. You, you've uh, kept it secret to keep it safe for many, many, many centuries. Well, considering that Galchabar has outwardly said that these people are the good ones that deserve, like, that need to all the help they can get with trying to figure out stuff. I was thinking Indeed, that it would yeah. be probably a good idea to give them that wealth of the opportunity to access that wealth of knowledge. I say red. And have you collected any tomes or knowledge on Lowell yourself? Um, in fact, we have. Um, I kind of glance at um, Misty, be like, kind of like, should we tell them about it? I think, um, I mean, I will say in a glance as well that you know more about things in general than I do. So 
they seem to have been safe so far. I don't I don't see how it would hurt to share information with them. That's quite the glance. Um it, it's the ears, they communicate uh, much. And, and the and the how they hold the tail. Don't forget that. So um yes, we have uh collected something that I do believe could be very beneficial to everybody here. We were able to acquire his spell book. But and everybody, you guys are pretty stunned at that. The wait. Have you studied the contents of this book? We have only recently received this uh, book, so I have personally not been able to. But we currently have scholars um, looking over it right now. Well, do do send a message as soon as you can um, to look for any spells that might be emboldening the spore druids, creating fogs, or anything of the such. There may be clues, obviously, within the book notes and whatnot that we might be able to use. Perhaps we can arrange a trade of knowledge, access to the library, and in return, I will sit down with your recorders and give you a chunk of 15,000 years of Dragonborn stories. I like excitedly look at Misty and like, um, I believe we can uh, arrange some sort of agreement there. Uh, we do not have much information on the Dragonborn. So this would uh, certainly help us out. Well, by all means, please speak with whoever you need to speak with. And I would, we, I have learned in my time that knowledge is the best weapon to use against the unknown, obviously, and in case of, we have a known adversary, but we don't know a lot about him, and anything we could find could only be helpful. I do believe that we can, uh, that some of our resources would be would be some help to you then. Excellent. Uh, back to the subject at hand. Should no one, you know, Adri better than I do. Would it be better to wait till she was present to try to speak with Vars? I'm, I, I, um, couldn't say. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know if she had, she had no fondness for him and, and would probably have spent her time thinking on him, thinking of him as little as And I would say, remind everyone that you all know that no one has known me much longer than you all have, so you could probably assume that he would know what Adri might want in that situation. My concern isn't that I, isn't that, um, my concern isn't that we would be, my concern is that there might be something that might come reveal that Adri may not, well, no, that's what I'm concerned about. We can wait. Then we shall. Okay, anything more for these skulls tonight, or are you going to put them in back in your bag there, Kaval? Uh, now that they're clean and dried, I'll put them back in the bag, but I will send one last sending back to Tenge. Tenge, could you please let me know the name of the expelled Archdruid and help us find this rebellion? Okay. Rebellion seems like the wrong word, but at the same time, it's not. Well, they're definitely rebelling against the balance of nature. Okay, and you get a real quick reply, because obviously that wasn't much of a uh, difficult question. Okay. Then you get that back in your mind. Seems the person we're looking for is Keelan. It's a shame we don't have the bowl. We'll have to see what we can do with that later. Okay, anything else before we bed down for the night? Uh, we want a watch schedule? The dwarves can stand watch. We've and, been fighting. And actually, if you take a look around, it does look like the um, carters have um, somebody on either end of the camp. So it, it does seem like they just, as a matter of rote, uh, mm -hmm. set up a watch like you would in the wilderness. 
I'll also have the owl just keep a keen eye. And the, obviously being night, the owl is more than happy to fly around looking for mice and, and other prey and keeping an eye on things. Okay, anything else? Okay, so you curl up in your bedrolls next to the uh, dying embers of your fire. And that's... Actually, there's one last oh. thing I'd like to do one quick, quick just as a yes. moment of comedy. Um, right before everybody goes to sleep, I'd like to go over and tap uh, Misty on her shoulder. So I'll kind of stir awake. Like, what? Well, before she's like, just real quick, because it's the curiosity is dying. Uh, it's just becoming unbearable. And I'll kind of like make her face the fire. Okay. Let's take a deep breath, conjure a feeling of intense heat in your chest, and breathe that direction. Oh, okay. I'll show well, you what I mean, and then I will launch a lightning bolt out of my mouth into the fire where it will dissipate harmlessly. And obviously the flash of that just shocks everybody, and you just the entire camp jumps up and looks in the, the, the uh, middle of camp. And, I will uh, completely point at Cotter. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I'm not going to shoot lightning out of my mouth. Well, no, you're red. I would imagine it'd be fire. Brass, yes. Um, brass. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, I mean, out of character, I'm I'm almost entirely sure that draconic sorcerers don't get a breath weapon, at least oh, not at 12th level. So that'll just be like a really weird, Drew like, he's going to be like doing like a, a hairball kind of thing. Like. Do it, do it. Do the noise. <laughs> yeah, it'll be like, <laughs> just kind of. Nothing happens. Except a lot of fire. Not even, no. not even a flaming hairball? <laughs> not even a flaming hairball. Well, um, do you want to see, give her some more coaching and, and have her try again, Craval? Yeah. You know, just have her stand straight, show her how to breathe in deep to activate the lower core muscles. Um, she should, and he's completely, completely positive that you will feel what feels like an opening of another set of lungs and the heat will build and then you will feel the urge to be sick, but will come out instead will be a burst of flame. I mean, and this by is the way, kind Drew, of Drew knows this isn't going to work, but Craval is confident it will. I mean, I have like coaching Ray, like for flavor, could we just say that well, not instead of being out of my hands, and, it's like, and actually what happens, what happens Misty is after that coaching, you're like, Oh, this isn't going to work. But then as you open your mouth, you do feel the, sorcery kind of channeling through there and to your amazement a bolt of fire fires out of your mouth uh following the the what uh, Craval did and lances into the fire and just you know kind of heats up the embers there and yes you can now utilize your fire spells through your mouth instead of casting them through some other sort of focus good if you're Drained. Yeah, that's pretty good. I'm imagining like a, a third level fire from like <laughs> from the furball fireball. Yes. Yeah. Herk, 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 <laughs> blah, boom. Craval, <laughs> uh, it's kind of like a rattling purr from his chest of just a, it's just a grumble of happiness. Like, oh, perhaps we're related after all. Clap her on the back and then go to his bedroll. Very good. Any, any other uh, comedy before we go to bed? Okay, good. And you settle down and uh, get a little shut-eye, um, knowing that there's uh, folks keeping watch. And that's where we're going to stop today. Okay, well, there's a bunch, bunch, bunch of stuff to talk about in this whole thing. First thing, uh, first, a uh, big apology for the problems we had getting this episode together. Uh, first one was uh, just we hadn't played in a while, so we were a bit rusty. Uh, obviously, my accents were a little off and all that stuff, but uh, there we are. And then um, Matt and uh, Jesse had just upgraded the 
speed on their internet and seems like there's some teething problems because we had a whole lot of internet issues with them the whole time. So uh, luckily that uh, smoothed itself out. We don't have that problem in the future, but this one particular episode, there we are. But then to the episode itself, well, there's some interesting stuff there. The first thing is we've got a split party now and didn't kind of realize the awkwardness that would ensue because, of course, Adri's not here, but Jesse is, but Jesse's playing Misty, and yet they're talking about Adri and her desires, and Jesse really can't speak to that, and then... No one kind of can, but then Matt's actually sitting next to Jesse, who's not playing Adrian. He got the idea. It was very interesting, the dynamic that was going on during this whole thing. It was uh, very, very fun. And um, then the other thing to say on this is Dungeon Masters saying yes. So the whole episode there with Creval going and teaching Misty to utilize her spells through her breath weapon, which she doesn't have, uh, was just absolutely fascinating and a good example of, yeah, if the, even if it's not in the rules as a dungeon master, if what your players are suggesting is awesome, definitely say yes, because that was a really, really neat scene and definitely fun what they did. So there we go. But anyways, the players are bedding down for the night, and they are going to hopefully get a good night's sleep here in the dark. But what will tomorrow bring? They still aren't back to Port of Magnum. Who knows what exactly is going on between here and there? Is it warfare? Is it not? It's hard to say. And uh, we'll just have to wait for the next episode to find out. Until then, let us know what you think. Rate us wherever you get your podcasts. Email us at relicofthepastpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us at Relic of the Past on Twitter and Relic of the Past Podcast on Facebook. Articles and artwork are available at poolmedia.podbean.com. And thank you for playing in the world that lives inside my head.